Well, for Jesus and his disciples, it had been a, a very long week. There had been the anointing at Bethany. There had been the triumphal entry. There had been the cleansing of the temple. There had been the teachings at the temple, the last public teachings that Jesus had. But it had not just been a long week. It had already been a rather long night. There had been the washing of the disciples' feet, the meal and the establishment of the Lord's Supper. There had been the prediction that Judas would betray Jesus and that Peter would deny Jesus. And then there had been the teaching that this was it, that Jesus was going to die. And for the disciples, it had to have been very confusing. It had to have been very frustrating. They had to have all kinds of different emotions on an emotional roller coaster, depressed and anxious. And Jesus, I think, sensed their emotions. He could feel what they were thinking and feeling. And so he offered them these words in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Do not let your hearts be troubled. If I was one of the disciples, I'm afraid my first reaction would be, are you kidding? After what you have just told us, that one of our own number is going to betray you, that our most outspoken leader is going to deny you that you are going to die and you tell us not to let our hearts be troubled. Don't worry. Have you ever had one of those weeks? Have you ever had one of those days, maybe one of those lifetimes where nothing seems to be going right? Where nothing seems to be happening as you had expected it to. As you thought that it would. Does God ever confuse you? Does God ever frustrate you? Does God ever make you wonder what on earth is going on? And God would say to us the same thing Jesus said to his disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry. Now, if Jesus had stopped there, that would be a tough one to accept. Have you ever had, have you ever been in a situation where you are genuinely worried, concerned or whatever, and somebody tells you, don't worry. Now, just how comforting is that really? How instructional is that? Don't worry. 
in probably one of the most famous verses about worrying over in Philippians chapter four, you remember Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry. Get over it. Deal with it. No, that's, that, that's not what he said. He did say, don't be anxious about anything. But then he went on to say, but in everything. With prayer and petition and supplication, make your request made known to God. Ah, there's the key. The key to what Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. The very next phrase. Trust in God. And trust also in me. Ah, there's where I can keep my heart from being troubled. Not in my own thoughts, not in everything else, but trusting in God. Because it was only going to get worse. Jesus was going to teach them a little later on. The world hates you. The world is coming for you. They came for me. They're coming for you. It is not always going to be easy in this life. It is not always going to be, you know, everything going exactly the way you thought that it was. There's going to be frustrating times. There's going to be confusing times. There's going to be times when we just don't understand. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because you trust in God. Trust also in me. And then he goes on to talk about home. His father's house. Heaven. Now why would he do that? Because it's our home as well. It's our place of eternal abode. John said at the end of his book, these things are written that you may have life through his name. You can get through these things. You can let your heart not be troubled. Because you have a place prepared. Because you are going home. Because you are going to heaven. It doesn't matter how bad things get here in this life. It doesn't matter how bad things get in this world. Jesus has gone to prepare us a place in his home. I've often thought that it was a little unique. The difference between Jesus talking about heaven here in John 14 and John talking about revelation, excuse me, talking about heaven in revelation. You remember John gets, gets kind of amazed by the street of gold and the, and the, you know, gates of pearl and the walls of jasper and all those kinds of things. Those are the things that stand out to John. Why? John is a tourist. John is just visiting. And he sees all this grandeur and it amazes him. Jesus is talking about Home. You think streets of gold impressed Jesus? You think when Jesus was down on earth and he was thinking about eventually finally getting to go back home, back to heaven, you think he was thinking about walls of jasper and gates of pearl? No. 
Many of you know, and you will now, the rest of you, you know, I moved around a lot as a kid. My dad was in the military. We moved a lot. And even after we moved, I lived in 13 different houses as a kid. Kenya and I have lived in seven. So that's 20 over my lifetime. But my home was never about the walls. My home was never about the drapes or the sofa or whatever. The home was about the people in it and what it represented. When I left, we lived in Virginia and my, I graduated high school and I was coming down to A&M in August of 1980. My parents were in the middle of trying to figure out what they were doing next. My dad was retiring from the military and he had a, a choice between two jobs. He didn't know which one he was going to take. One was in Massachusetts and the other was in Texas. And so when I left for college, I did not know where my next home was going to be. They decided to move to Dallas. You know. That's a lot closer to Massachusetts. I think because my dad can't pronounce Massachusetts. I really think that's the reason they moved to Texas. But anyway. And so when I went home for the first time from college, it was a brand new house. I had never seen it before. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have cell phones and nobody could take pictures and send them to me on Facebook or whatever. You know, we didn't have any of that. It was a brand new house, but it was the same home. It was the same home. Sometimes doing premarital counseling, I'll ask somebody, I said, describe your, describe your home when you were growing up. And you know what? Never once have I had somebody say, well, you know, we had a blue couch in the living room and, uh, you know, the appliances were, you know, stainless steel or white or, or, or whatever. And the drapes were, No. They talk about their family, about how they grew up. And that's the difference between Jesus' description of heaven and John's description of heaven. John was a tourist. Jesus was talking about home. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to prepare a place for them. What an amazing thought. And what kind of place has he gone to prepare? First of all, heaven is going to be a place where we are known. Have you ever been in a situation where you were in a crowd and you knew absolutely no one? That is uncomfortable, is it not? I've told this before, but I know we have at least two or three people who've never heard it. So guess what? Y'all get to hear it again. As I said, I moved around a lot as a child. My hardest move of all those moves was we moved the middle of my junior year of high school. And it was hard, first of all, because it was my junior year of high school. It was also hard because we had lived in Colleen for five years. That was the longest I had ever lived anywhere. It was the first time in my life I had actually had friends, you know, for two or three years at a time. And now it's the middle of my junior year and we're moving all the way across country to the outskirts of Washington, D.C. 
And it's the middle of the year. So on January 3rd, 4th, I don't know what it was, whatever the first day of school after Christmas break was, I enrolled at Lake Braddock High School. Population, over 4,000 kids in that high school. And so I come in and it's the first day after Christmas break. And you know, again, this is long before cell phones and texting and Snapchat and all that kind of stuff. So all the kids were back at school and they wanted to talk to each other and catch up about what happened over the Christmas holidays and the gossip and the rumors and everything. And here I am just kind of walking around, you know, and you get to class and you don't want to sit in somebody's seat, kind of like a church. Uh, you don't want, cause you don't know whose seat is taken or whatever. And I'm just kind of sitting there, you know, quiet, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm making it, I'm making it. And then comes lunch. Have you ever seen a lunchroom that housed 4,000 kids? It was massive. And so I go through the line and I get my tray and I get my whatever it was, you know, Salisbury steak or fish sticks or whatever it was for lunch. And I come out of the line and it was the worst moment of my life. I'm not exaggerating. I felt like throwing up. Where do I sit? I know absolutely nobody. And you know how the school cafeterias are. There is a pecking order. And there are tables where these people sit and these people sit and these people sit and you don't want to sit where you're not welcome. And I was looking around and I finally saw away at the end this, this group of unused chairs at the end of this long table. And I thought, all right, apparently nobody sits there. That's right. Thanks for the help. In case you didn't get it. And so I'm going to go sit where there's nobody. And so I'm walking with my head down. And I hear somebody say, Tim. And I'm thinking, well, I can't be talking to me. I don't, I don't know anybody. <laughs> Obviously not me. So I keep on walking. You know, school of 4,000, there's probably lots of Tims, you know. So I keep walking and I hear it again, Tim. And so I turn around trying not to make it obvious because I don't want anybody to think that I thought it was me, but it wasn't me. You know what I mean? So just kind of, you know, casually. And there's this girl at this table and she's waving. And I'm thinking, I met her yesterday when we visited a church. She was in the Bible class. And she said, Tim, come over here and sit with us. Wow. I mean, wow. And Brigitte Henry. That is her name. I will never forget her. All the days of my life, she saved me. Because I just wanted to crawl under a rock and die. Because nobody 
knew me. And I didn't know anybody. And all of a sudden, I felt welcomed. Somebody knew me. And that somebody then introduced me to the click. You may say clicks aren't good, but let me tell you, right then and there, that was a good click. (laughs) I was glad to be in a click. It's not good to be outside the click, but it's good to be inside the click. It felt so good. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said earlier in John chapter 10, I know my sheep. I know them by name. I know all of them. It's a place where we're going to be known. In the middle of the hustle and bustle of this world, the impersonalness impersonalness that surrounds us, it's nice to come home to a place where you are known, accepted, and loved. Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. He comes home because he knows that he's loved and known. Jesus surprised people by knowing them. You remember the little short dude that climbed up in the tree? Jesus is walking by and he turns and he looks up in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus? For I'm going to your house today. Okay, well, anyway, Zacchaeus? And I'm sure Zacchaeus was like, whoa. Sometimes it freaks you out when people know you, right? That kind of freaked Zacchaeus out. But Jesus said, I'm going to your house. When Nathaniel came, Jesus knew who he was. The ones we love know us. You know, Kenya knows the snacks to get. You know, because she knows me. And the house is prepared. And the snacks are the right snacks. Now, every now and then, she'll get on this health kick. And she'll get the gross stuff. But she knows me well enough to know that I ain't going to like it. So we may go through that for a week or two, but eventually there's going to be some bluebell in the freezer. If the ones we love here on earth know us, can you imagine what God prepares for us? Because he knows us. You know, Jesus said, Well, being known by God has a little bit to do with our trusting him and our obeying him. You remember those verses in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus said, Not everybody who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only he who does the will of my God who is in heaven. And on that day there will be many who will say to me, Well, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do all these great things? And I will say to them very plainly on that day, I do not know you. Have you ever been expected to be known and you weren't? Have you ever made a reservation somewhere and you show up and all of a sudden they don't know what you're talking about? We want to make sure that we're known by God. But heaven is a place we will be known. Secondly, heaven is a place where we belong It's one thing to be known. It's another thing to belong. 
you know, I grew up again as a military family, which means, you know, my dad provided for us, but we didn't have, you know, we weren't rich. We didn't have a lot of money, anything like that, you know. And then, you know, after I graduated high school, he gets a job and he begins to move up until he is the president of Texas Utilities. And all of a sudden, my parents are living a lifestyle with which I am not familiar. Why couldn't you have all this when I was a kid? Not now. And one of the perks of him being president of Texas Utilities is he belonged to a very ritzy country club in Dallas. Now, I like to play golf. But I am more used to, you know, golf courses like the Dangerfield Golf Course. Nothing wrong with that, but that's the kind of golf courses I kind of grew up. So when I got the opportunity, had any opportunity to play on a really nice golf course, I took it. And so one day we're coming to town, to Dallas, and my dad says, you want to play golf? And I'm like, what kind of question is that? Duh. And he says, okay, well, meet me at the country club. Hmm. Okay. And then he calls and says, I'm going to be a little late. So go on in when you get there and go to the dining room and order lunch and charge it to my account. Hmm. So I pull up to the country club in my 10-year-old beat-up Ford Tempo that had a dent on the side and the front fender was falling off. And here are the Mercedes and the Cadillacs and the Lexuses and if whatever the plural of Lexus is. And, you know, all these cars. And I'm like, I can't park here. So I find the employee parking lot. <laughs> and I park in the employee parking lot. And I walk in to the dressing room, the men's locker room, and it's cherry wood lockers. Wow. I mean, it is, it is neat. And I'm looking at the clothes I'm fixing to play golf in, and I'm looking at what all these other guys are fixing to play golf in. You know, I thought they were going to the, the opera or something, the way they were dressed to play golf. And I go into the dining room and I sit down and it was the most uncomfortable. I knew I didn't belong there. It was obvious I did not belong there. But you know what? I did belong there. I belonged there because my father said I belonged there. And when the bill came for lunch... Because I ordered two of everything. When the bill came for lunch, I signed his name and put his account number or whatever on there. I belonged because he said I belonged. You know, you may think that you don't belong in heaven. You may think you're not good enough. 
You may think you haven't done enough. You may think all kinds of different things that you've done the worst possible thing. You may think that you don't belong in heaven. Yes, you do. Because your father says you do. Because your father paid the price with his son. Heaven is a place where we belong. The Bible tells us that we are joint heirs with Christ. I don't claim to know all the spiritual implications of that particular phrase. But it blows me away. It does not say you are sub-heirs. You are secondary heirs. It says you are joint heirs with Christ. When Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, he's taking you to his house and now it will be your house. It will be your home because of what God has done for us. Our home is not here. Here is where we should feel like we don't belong. Here is where we should feel uncomfortable. Here is where we should feel, I'm kind of out of place here. There's a song that says, I'm longing for a country to which I've never been before. I love that. We don't want to be like the Israelites. You know, the Israelites, they griped and complained and moaned for 400 years that God didn't come get them down there in Egypt. And so God sends Moses and Moses leads them out of Egypt and he's going to lead them to the promised land, the land of milk and honey, the land that had been promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, the land that they'd been looking for for hundreds of years. And all they could think about is, wish we could go back to Egypt. We had it better in Egypt with leeks, onions, and cucumbers. I'm like, kill a cow. Seriously, you know. How about some beef in there? But I want to go back to Egypt. We do not want to get so comfortable here. That there is something in our mind that almost says we don't want to leave. Because where we are going is so much better. And that leads us to the third point and that is where we are going the place Jesus prepared is a place to be better Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz says there's no place like home I love to travel I love going on vacation I love visiting new places seeing new sites doing different things I, I, I just I just love it But I don't care where I have been, how much fun I have had, how much I have enjoyed it. I love getting home. I like my own bed. I like my own toilet. And I especially like my own remote control. And TV. You go to a hotel, you go to a motel, you go stay somewhere, you know, they've got a TV, but the channels ain't in the right place. 
You got to search and search and search to find. I know my channels. It's just always better to be home. The whole business of hospice care has come into being largely because patients, when they get to a certain point, many or most of them want to be home. They want to be home when those last hours come. God has called us home and it will be better. Again, in Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son, he knew that home was going to be better even if he went back as a servant. It would be better. But of course, the father said, no, 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 not a servant. You're home. You're a joint heir. You're a son. Hebrews 4 tells us that there is a Sabbath rest for God's people. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13 says, Blessed are those who die in the Lord, for they rest from their labors. And then if you've ever been in recent years to a funeral that I've conducted. In Revelation 21, 4. It says, he will write, wipe. Every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Or mourning. Or crying. Or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And you know what's coming next. I'll take that. In a cardboard shack on a dirt road. You can keep your streets of gold. You can keep your pearly gates. You can keep your walls of jasper. Ah, that's all cool. I'd probably be amazed for a minute or two. But a place where there is no more tears. No more death. No more crying. No more pain. That. Gives me comfort. That helps me not to let my heart be troubled. Have you noticed, those of you that have a little gray hair on you, or no hair, as the case may be? (laughs) Have you noticed that this life stinks sometimes? It's the pits. But this isn't it. We're going home. We're going to a place where we are known, a place where we belong, a place where we will be better by far. Now, I think, briefly, I think, that God kind of created the church to be kind of an embassy here on earth. You know, across the world, we have U.S. embassies, and they are... Sovereign U.S. territory. But they're still in the middle of whatever foreign country that is. And that's kind of what I believe the church is. It's God's way of saying, this is kind of what it's going to be like. The church is not perfect because we're not perfect. But it's a little taste. 
It's a little taste. It's a place where we ought to be known to one another. It's a place where we ought to belong to each other. It's a place where we ought to help each other be better. But it has its imperfections because it has us. But God has called us and Jesus has prepared for us for a place or a home in heaven. If you're here this morning and you've never come to accept Christ, then that prepared place is not for you. It's made clear in the book of Revelation, there is a book of life. There is a reservation book. And those who trust in God and obey him, their names are in the book of life. Those that don't, they're not there. Why? Would you not want your name in that book? If we can help you this morning, we invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.